Welcome to Big Mama Hacks. We're back and we have today with us Athena, who is a friend of mine through Orglava and also a spiritual practitioner in the ways of the labyrinth. And she's a jewelry maker and has a couple other things cooking. Um, also a makeup artist and a stylist. Um, Athena, is there anything else I can add to that introduction? What else do you have um, your hands in? Uh, let's see. Labyrinth facilitator and creator. You did say that I make them. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess that's about it. I, I just, uh, yeah, I dabble in a lot of uh, artistic pursuits, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to Let's the club, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> the having a lot of pots going at one time club. Um, Athena makes amazing pieces and, and is under the name on Etsy, um, Earth Earth Energies. And this beautiful picture of the green man whom I love is her icon. And I will definitely link all of your links um, in the show notes as well. And uh, I love your jewelry so much. It's so beautiful. Um, can you talk a little bit about how how that came about and how long you've been doing jewelry? It's it's interesting how that came about. Uh, actually, when I when I was um, growing up, <laughs> I used to uh, be on the uh, punk scene. I used to yes. I, yeah, I had Me the too. Statue of Liberty. <laughs> And everything, shaved head, the combat boots, the spikes. But um, as time evolved, I used to, like, make a lot of, uh, like, I guess I didn't call it jewelry then, but I used to do a lot of safety pins and stuff. And I used to, oh, like, yeah. you know, just do a lot of stuff with safety pins or, like, if I found, like, um, something on the street, I, I, you know, match it with the safety pin. So anyway, somebody told me I should go into jewelry design and I thought that was really ridiculous. So fast <laughs> forward years later, I found myself like um, doing jewelry. And I was like, wow, I, I never thought I would do this. So one piece turned into like thousands of pieces. So, wow. and out of that, um, actually, uh, let me ba backtrack a little bit. I started doing uh, sculpturing out of clay before I turned to jewelry. So, but I've always had jewelry in my background, you know, to do it. So, um, yeah, I started wood burning and I, I thought I was going to wood burn jewelry, but that didn't happen. So I had like some pieces of jewelry from styling and I started like making jewelry from that, like, you know, like little remnants that I would find or pieces that were broken. I started redesigning them. And then I just started making like, you know, lots of uh, like pentacle jewelry, skulls and, and um, uh, pend pendulums and things like that. So it's, it's been, a, it's been an evolving journey from one thing to the other, but um from sculpture to jewelry to wood burning to uh, crafting and even uh, clothes design at one point. So, oh, and now amazing. I just I just throw anything on. <laughs> I know. I hear you. I'm just like jack of all trades. Whatever gets me through this. It's like crazy. I'm just looking. Um, if you go onto Athena's website or her own her Etsy, um, I'm just scrolling through your previous work. It's just beautiful. 
I'm always looking for something um, for meditation that's not necessarily Buddha. And it's really kind of tricky. You know, I haven't gotten into the Etsy rabbit hole, but maybe we can talk about that. I love this illuminated triple goddess. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, your work is gorgeous. And um, it's so funny. So you're in Philadelphia now. Athena lives in Philadelphia. Have you been there for a long time? I wonder if we ever crossed paths in our punk past because <laughs> I was down there all the time. I grew team. up in Philadelphia. Did so, you? Oh my gosh. Born and raised. Yep. Yes. I'm right outside of Philly where I was raised. Um, but spent a lot of time there. So I'm sure we must have crossed paths at some point because that was also my theme. And I com- completely identify with that. Um, like, I guess I'd say late to like, late to yeah mid to late 90s into the 2000s spending a lot of time down there going to shows and stuff um really really good time then (laughs) things have changed so much I keep saying to my younger friends or like my stepdaughters that this is such a strange time and I feel feel for them so much because we were so social when we were their age you know yeah exactly it's a little it's a little easier being a little older to find you know um to find solace in the calm. Oh, the horn god tarot box. Yes. <laughs> love that. Oh my gosh, your stuff is so beautiful. Um, I love it so much. And also, um, so Athena and I know each other through Urglava, through our friend Rob. And are you and you're a member of Urglava, is that correct? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I would say I think uh yeah, as an associate member. I I was uh heavily practicing you know with Urglava and then uh well the pandemic hit and it's been like such a a struggle to be um kind of consistent between the bouts of anxiety so I've been doing everything from labyrinth walking to drawing and just trying to stay focused and you know and practicing mindfulness so but yes It's like you're speaking out of my own brain, Athena. Same (laughs) exact thing here. Honestly, just trying to keep myself sane and grounded and and doing my own practice. But I completely agree with that. It's been really tricky. Um, But that's good that you're finding ways to turn that energy into creativity because it can certainly go to a dark place pretty quickly. I found for myself, um, especially when I absorb any kind of news, it usually goes to a dark place. It's really it's really troubling, especially surrounding COVID. But um. Yeah, sort of the same thing for me. So Urglava, um, I've interviewed Rob, um, Michelle, and Ralph as well about sort of the background on Urglava. So if you are a listener, you probably know quite a bit about it, but it is a heathen um, religion and um, they are practicing through the framework of of Pennsylvania Dutch, wouldn't you say? I'm probably (laughs) botching this pretty well, but um, and very open and affirming, like anybody is welcome to join. You don't have to be Pennsylvania Dutch, but that's sort of how it's structured. And um, the thing that I keep saying when I interview them, and I'm sure you can agree with this, that I appreciate so much about them because I'm also an associate member, is that they support alternative paths and also like parallel paths, which is perfect for me because <laughs> I'm an Aquarius and I'm not a committer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's perfect for me too. <laughs> Cause right? when I, yeah. Right. Cause when I moved back from New York, um, 
I said, oh my God, I didn't think I was going to go back to New York, but I was with a coven then. And I'm, you know, I practice uh, paganism and witchcraft. And I said, well, I, I'm not going to be with a, a pagan group or with a, you know, um, with a pagan or witchcraft group in, in Philadelphia, but I got to find a group that I could practice with. And oddly, I mean, I don't know how this happened, but I think somehow Rob and I, we were always talking on Facebook and I never met him, but yeah. I would get these, you know, messages and I didn't even know about Oglava until um, I think my, um, or I didn't, yeah, until my, I think my second year when I moved back to Philadelphia, because then I started like being active with the uh, Philadelphia Pagan Pride. I came down to Philadelphia um, and started uh, being a little active on the uh, pagan scene. And I wanted to be with a group, but I didn't want to um, to join a a um, a Wicca group because I'm right. So I knew a lot about, you know, the deities that, uh, that Urglava, you know, uh, venerate and a lot of the practices because, I mean, growing up in, in, you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I'm like, oh my God, my family, we did some of these traditions. What? You know, so it just like, it sparked my interest. I'm like, yeah. And I, I understand your deities and I, I know I totally want to, you know, come to your 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 group your meetings and bam so here i'm at you know here i am and a lot of the um and the way you know they are in ritual i mean it's it's just commonplace for me too so i didn't feel out of place and i felt very welcome and very comfortable feels like home it's it's like i left philadelphia and here it is i i felt like i came back to part of my roots because I, I swear the practices, the food, I'm like, no way, my dad, my mom, you know, uh, so we, I, I had those experiences and, and I think part of it is, uh, part of it's Philadelphia. Yes. Definitely. You know. Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience. It felt very familiar, but also very accepting where I had not felt that before. So, I mean, especially the part where I was like, very. I wouldn't say lost, but I don't know. I've always kind of identified, I've identified always as I agnostic, but clearly very pagan my whole life. Like, <laughs> I mean, now that I'm older and I look back, I'm like, dude, like, why was I ever calling myself agnostic ever? Like my first marriage was like a hand fasting. And like, I was always obsessed of worshiping the earth and always felt very connected to it. In fact, my friend, my punk rock friend in seventh grade introduced me to paganism because her parents were pagans. And I was like, this is literally amazing. Um, and it always felt really comfortable for me. But I mean, I never. Um, now, there's an interesting um, difference or differentiation. I don't know if you've heard this before between Wicca and Wicca, as in one C and two C's. Um, Hunter and I have been reading a lot about um, like Welsh witchcraft and they spell it with one C and then I guess a more American version that we have here is the two C's and it's funny because Michelle and I when we were when we had our interview we're kind of talking about uh, the love and light (laughs) the love and light love and light all the time and you know she and I both were you know that's pretty nauseating most of the time like because that's not life but um, have you heard that difference 
ever well, you know um, um i've heard of i i've actually you know I, I i'm not gonna lie i i haven't but i have seen wicca spelt with one c and i thought it was a mistake and i didn't yeah, right me i too. didn't like bother <laughs> to you know uh research or delve into it anymore because i thought well that's something i i guess i shouldn't want to know about it but I really don't want to know about it because it has nothing to do with me and how I practice and what right. I practice so I I don't know I guess you know it would have been good to enlighten myself but I well, get like that know. sometimes I, I get like no it has nothing to do with Same. me I don't want to know anything about it you know I'm, so. I'm yeah I hear you because it's like there's so many things you could learn about and how much time would you be wasting just going down those rabbit holes I know I would have never thought of it. it Hunter's more interested in um, learning more stuff than I am. Let's just say, like, you know, I I do. But love he finds that stuff interesting, stuff. <laughs> right? A lot of this stuff it is interesting, and it it is. But sometimes it's like okay. It, it sometimes it feels like a distraction more 100%, than hundred percent. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, I, yes. I can't, you know. So. Well, it's interesting because the, the the Welsh witchcraft is all about like intuitive practicing and um, sort of along the same lines as like, I guess, you know, the healers and stuff, maybe back in the day with independent practicing. And I guess I've always found, um, I've always found that I, this is probably super Aquarius of me, that I wanted to be long, but I didn't necessarily want to be in a group, which really sounds really silly. Um, but that's why, you know, Orglava really works for me and I, and I really appreciate their, um, acceptance of, you know, not always being able to be a hundred percent active or a hundred percent, um, in agreement or prescribing to everything. I, I really like that about them. I like their openness and, um, yeah, so that's interesting. But when you spoke about being in a coven, and I know Michelle is as well, are you guys in the same coven? Because I knew she said it's Larry and her, and then another person, but then she didn't say who. No, my co oh, okay. uh, my coven is based in New York because that's where oh, okay. I actually first became a full fledged witch and got involved in Wicca. Is oh, I was wow. a punk in Philadelphia, and I started to find out about Wicca and witchcraft, but. By then, I had moved up to New York, and so everything I, I did with Wicca and witchcraft has been in New York. So, right, um, yeah. So that's 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 how that you know um, transpired for me. And then, um, yeah. So no, I'm not part of uh, Michelle's and Larry's group, although you know I like their practice too, and you know with. And with my group, we have some bylaws, but um, that's another story. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, about the Welsh Wicca going from an intuitive um, yeah perspective, I think that uh, a lot of with a lot of Wiccan groups. I mean, I I guess now the dynamics. Everybody wants to learn magic right off the back instead of yes oh what to do instead of actually working from an intuitive yes way, you know which yes. that's what um it's really important that you that one as as a spiritual practitioner work from an intuitive point because other than that i mean magic is natural 
Yes. So, and, and that's how you tap into your intuition to know what's right or wrong for you and to know what's right or wrong for the, the, uh, you know, practice of, of what you're choosing. Like say, if you're going to work with herbs or something or, or like, you know, working with nature, that definitely takes a lot of intuit, you know, intuitivity and, and, and practice. So. Yeah, I think it's interesting because it seems like, like, duh, of course, it's intuitive practice, but I, I think you touched upon what I guess my, my like personal reservation is, or like brick wall, basically, <laughs> is um, in, in all of my life, all of the experiences I've had, basically, as like, an organized practice or an organized religion, it's always been kind of like awful and a bad experience. And, and made me feel bad until Oglava. It felt really good and really accepting. And, and, you know, a couple hiccups, of course, there were a couple of times that there were some folks involved that maybe, you know, made it feel not as welcoming. But anytime I voiced any concern or anything to Rob and Michelle, um, you know, they were very, um, there wasn't a hierarchy. It was like, even though I was an associate or maybe not as involved, like they took what I had to say and, um, took it into consideration thoughtfully, you know? So I really respected that about them. They made it feel really safe after, I mean, I wouldn't call it like trauma, but like really bad experiences in religion and um, the way like my family, you know, practiced or, or thought of their Christian um, practices and maybe thought of how I was not going to be like that. So it's been, it's been kind of an interesting journey, but yeah, I mean, it's all intuitive, of course, and absolutely, like, you have to put in the work, and I guess that's one of my big um, complaints is I feel like nowadays, and Michelle brought this up, too, is everybody's trying to uh, grab, she had a really great word for it, uh, grab, like, a new identity and, like, add to their collector. I think she called it identity collectors, and it's it feels like that, and it feels like you want to protect these sacred um, practices from that sort of... Um, exploitation but of course it's always been that way right Athena it's always Always. exploited and it's always it's always been been a thing so I mean that's very very interesting but yeah I have a hard time with commitment so (laughs) I I think as as I get older (laughs) I'm 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 letting go a little bit and and looking for community but it's tricky tricky little tightrope that's that's the sense of it. I mean, community is is incredible, and it's like yeah. when you can find it, you definitely. Um, I I think they're accepting. I don't want to say no matter what because that's that's kind sure. of vague and open. But yeah, very accepting, and you know, you can always go to your community. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, it's it's sort of become more like family. Uh, for me and I'm sure for you as well like you can leave for a while and come back and it's still the same feeling and still the same open door and open arms and that's a really nice a nice feeling in fact maybe a little better than family (laughs) that's not the that's not the way with the family you know like uh you know we just recently um distanced ourselves from someone in our family um that that was very very hard for me and that was like a no-go and a shutdown point, but no, um, I've never felt that way with Rob and the gang, the Urglava crew. So I really respect that about them. And I remember him saying to me, Dennis, who I'm sure, you know, he's like, Rachel, he's not, 
he's not, you know, he's not prescribing to much of this and, you know, he's still part of our kindred and it's just, it's not really about that. And I really appreciated that. So I wanted to point that out because I know you and I um, are pretty similar and I haven't seen you in quite a few years, but I had come to a couple events where you had been there as well. And I think you had come along up with Bob and then probably at the um, Pagan Pride day that I went to. I had seen you too. So I don't even know, Athena, time just escapes me, like how long it's been, but um, it's always really nice to be in your presence. Athena is a very warm and kind and, and very calm spirit. And um, it's it's very nice to be around you. It's just a joyful time. And so I really appreciate that. Um, and I've really, I really enjoyed watching all the things that you do as well. And I wanted to also talk about so we got into the labyrinths a little bit, which I'm completely ignorant of and really excited to sort of learn more about. Um, and then I tuned into your podcast to try and learn more. Um, and I'd love for you to tell me more about that. It's actually, where did the page go? Um, can you tell us more about the podcast that you um, host? Actually, yes. Yeah, so a friend of mine, Hercules Invictus, he's the creator and the originator of this podcast. It's called Living Labyrinths. And he um, bestowed it to me one day. We um, He had me on for an interview. Uh, and his lovely wife, Athena Vic, uh, Vic, Victory, she actually referred me to him. We've been friends on Facebook. But I, I had no idea that they were involved with the uh, labyrinth. And then as time went on, I found out, you know, uh, Hercules, he has, uh, he has, uh, He's Grecian in nature, and he um, he can uh, has roots that goes back to uh, you know uh, some of the history of labyrinths or the labyrinth of Lemnos. He has uh, some uh, knowledge of that, which is which is really interesting, and um, that's like one of the oldest labyrinths in time that was found in Greece, but, uh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm getting off track a little bit, but yeah, no, he, okay. um, he introduced me to this podcast and what I've been doing is, um, interviewing some of my labyrinth friends that I went to school with, uh, that I did labyrinth training with, um, labyrinth facilitation training, with and um, eventually, I want to um, bring in uh, some of my other labyrinth friends. That some of the seasoned labyrinth, uh, uh, let's see, labyrinth owners and workshop facilitators and things like that. So it's it's labyrinth focus is how um, they view the labyrinth and how they experience the labyrinth, and you know. Um, I guess to what they can bring to you know the uh, their audience or, or seekers of the labyrinth, and um, tomorrow I'll be talking with uh, a an acquaintance of mine, Tracy Andrick, who um, she creates labyrinths in the uh, pagan community, and she also is a, an amazing artist. And I actually just um, my sister, I was. Uh, given a um a chalice a hakate chalice so uh for christmas and i it, it was a surprise so anyway so um it's 
Yeah, her work is great, and she's a labyrinth facilitator. So what I do with my podcast is I I, um, I talk with a lot of labyrinth people, and we're a big organization. Um, there's a lot of labyrinths uh, all throughout the United States and all throughout the, uh, you know, all throughout the U.S., internationally and everything. And I work as a vendor coordinator, uh, I'm sorry, volunteer coordinator with uh, with the Labyrinth Society, which is a, uh, a society that's based right now where um, it's strictly, uh, uh, it's a global society where we connect all labyrinth enthusiasts. Um, you can become a member or just check them out the uh, on Facebook, the Global uh, Labyrinth Society, you know, okay. on Facebook. I'm sorry. I know I'm saying that backwards and they'll probably no, that's okay. punch me aside the head for like mixing it up. It's like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, I'll make sure I get it. I, I'll make sure I get the, um, what's it called? The URL level. Uh, yes, the Labyrinth Society Global got Facebook it. group. Yep. Yeah. And, okay. You got it. Yeah. And that's open to anyone, you know, if you want to know about labyrinths or you want to interact with like, you know, people that are new to the labyrinths or professional labyrinth creators, you know, that's one place to go, you know? Um, yeah. And, um, then the other place that I, 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 um, I trained with Veritas, which is another labyrinth, uh, group. And they have a labyrinth training if you want to be a labyrinth facilitator. Um, oh, wow. It does help if you have a little bit of experience so you can understand um, a little bit of what you're doing. And, and you know, the, the, I guess you might say the mechanics of the labyrinth. Um, sure. And, and how you can train people to walk the labyrinth. Because yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures where you see a thousand people walking on this labyrinth. or No, I haven't. I'm looking now while you're talking. It's, it's fascinating. It, it seems it's, like a really exciting experience. It is exciting. And you know what makes a difference too is because it's like with a maze, you're going to find walls, but with a labyrinth, you find a, it's a design and it's a pattern, Yes, you know, that is not higher than a, a quarter inch high off the ground, you know, if anything, and you walk it and you're, you're looking down, you're looking forward and that's where you're going to get your, your transformation or your spiritual enlightenment or you know that's where you're going to develop your consciousness and your awareness just by that walking pattern you know one st- one foot in front of the other and you're looking down and you're 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 contemplating you know you're releasing you know your concerns are you know the labyrinth is a container for all that you know um, you can release your whatever processes that you want to get rid of or, mm. or whatever concerns you might have. Um, and that's part of the beginning journey of walking a labyrinth. And once you get to the center of the labyrinth, it's like you receive an answer, you know, or, or you receive like, I don't know, confirmation or, or you know, you get an answer to your concerns. Like or, clarity, or, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah, get clarity. that's awesome. Yeah. And then you, when you're walking out of the labyrinth, 
you know, they call it the return. I mean, you have time to reflect on your your experience. You have time to reflect on what you're getting clarity of, you know. So, um, yeah, with the labyrinth walk, they have the three R's. That's that's what they call it. But now sometimes it journeys into four R's. You know, you release when you walk in, you receive when you get to the center of the labyrinth. and the return is when you receive that clarity, you know, and then after you get out the labyrinth, you can thank it and reflect on your journey. So it's, it's really a very interesting experience. Sounds fascinating. And I love the fact that it's a, like a physical ritual because all the sitting and listening is really very hard for my mind <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. The sitting and the listening is difficult. I'm a, crazily active person I, I do not really um partake in sitting much for tv and things because I feel like I'm gonna go insane if I just sit <laughs> to be honest with you um I love it can you just can you share with us your first experience of a labyrinth and how you um how did you come to it and how long have you been involved I, I've I've never heard of this so I'm just very very interested um and curious about how did you find your first experience? Because now you were in you were in New York and now you're in Philadelphia. And I'm just curious about how you came to it. And when I was my first experience, I like I said, I used to draw like a lot of spirals. And then yeah. I used to draw a lot of uh this symbol and I didn't realize I was drawing Hecate symbol. But I went back oh, wow. to the labyrinth and and being at the time I, I was um yeah, practicing my paganism. I went to yeah. this spiritual event. Uh, it used to be called Starwood. Um, it was in Sherman, Sherman, New York. Yeah. So I used to go there like every year with a couple of friends of mine. And the first year I went there, they had a labyrinth. And I was like, I got to go to this thing because I've been seeing this thing. I don't know what it is, but I got to go. So we were going to this labyrinth and I... You know, I didn't do drugs. <laughs> and I swear, <laughs> I looked to my right in this big old tree. And I think this is what sparked my name, Earth Energies, and my, mm. my the uh, artwork that I use. Because I looked over to this tree, and there was this humongous green man face in the tree. <gasps> I was like, oh, wow. I'm blinking. It was still there. And so now it's our turn to walk the labyrinth. And this labyrinth is all illuminated. Wow. So this was my first experience and I'm walking in a labyrinth and I'm like, I can't believe it. I look up out of the labyrinth and this green man image is still in the tree. Um, and so I'm walking a labyrinth and it was like such an incredible experience. I mean, the lights, the, this was an illuminated labyrinth. Um, and I felt like I was walking forever, but the experience was amazing. And not wow. once it, I felt so safe and I felt so like calm. And it's like, I didn't even want the journey to end. It's like kind of like having a force field. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah. Exactly. I'm looking at some pictures of you and um, some images on your Instagram, just kind of searching for why you're talking us through this. Um, and I see an illuminated labyrinth and I see looks like a nurse. I think it's you, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not the nurse. That's that was, from one of Michelle's amazing Oak Haven Farms uh, oh, Halloween yes. party. Yeah. And I tell you, I, I'm like, 
I love her land. She is an amazing steward of the land. And every time I get to a flat area, I'm like, I'm ready to put a labyrinth on it. So the minute she said, oh, we got to do something. I'm like, oh, can I do a labyrinth? And that was, I think that was the second, um, the second year I, yeah, I said, I want this labyrinth to really shine. So um, she let me do a labyrinth on it. And I said, I'm using candles. Well, we used uh, battery operated uh, tea lights. And I tell you, it's, it's just the experience of even making one and laying it down on the land. It's like you just feel such a connection with the land. The land speaks to you. You, you what, this, this is what happens when you walk a labyrinth. You connect with the earth. You connect with the mother or whatever. You just feel her heart beat underneath your feet while you're walking the path of the labyrinth. And, um, oh, one more thing. I want to share my experience. When I walked out of that labyrinth, that illuminated labyrinth, when I looked over to that tree, I saw that green man blink and that was it. It was gone. I looked over again. That was my experience walking in and out of the labyrinth that day. And that was, um, yeah, it was such an intense experience. And yeah. And every time I, I create a labyrinth and when I walk one, the experience is always different, you know, and walking the paths of it is, is if you don't get an experience, you know, I'm not going to say everyone that walks away, they may feel like they don't get an experience. It's because sometimes the experience isn't, it isn't immediate. Right. For some people it is. Um, but you always walk away with something. Yeah, it probably depends on your openness too, but certainly you're walking away with a sensory experience. You can't walk away with nothing because you're physically walking something, which is what I like about it. It's not, you know, you're not sitting around waiting for some bolt of lightning, some spiritual presence to hit you while you sit passively. I like that it's an active engagement, you know? I'm going to have to build one because I think my kids would love to do it. Uh, you <laughs> my know son's what? a sensory seeker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're fun to make, and and I tell you, kids love them. They really do. It's yeah. is, is something about it. invites. It invites calm. It invites playfulness. It invites yes. You know what you want to bring to it. You know, it's or funny what, because. Go ahead, Athena. I'm sorry. No, I was about to say, or what you get out of it. You know, it it just invites you to be yourself. You know. Yes. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I've been talking a lot about um, the Sharon Blackie stuff that I've been listening to or listening to see. I can't sit and read either. I listen to it on. Um, I'm listening mm-hmm. on Audible to the book and she talks a lot about. Oh, yeah. When 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 uh, if woman rose wrote it. Yes. That and that was the Sharon first Black. one. Yes. I started with that one. Right. And then I went to the Enchanted Life. And this one is killing me. It's so good. It's kind of like a practical workbook of how to like live a more enchanted life. And she talks about it in the last chapter that I listened to about making time for play and, and just, and just time that's on. Um, what's the word that she used where it's unrestricted, just openness to play and having a sit spot. And you're reminding me of all of this, where it's a place that you go and visit every day in nature um, and talk to, talk to it and interact with it. And, and talking about how like even the rocks are alive and, 
I noticed with the labyrinths that you design, um, except for the, the ones that are illuminated, mostly it's made out of rocks, right? So is there yeah. a process? Is there a process with that where you pick certain kinds of stones? Okay, um, well, the rocks that I got, um, either they've been given to me or given to me by the earth, or I cool. pick them through, uh, through being at spiritual uh, retreats. At retreats, yes, I love that. Um, yeah, so all those rocks I, I say are sacred, and I have yes. donated a few, or I have invited people if they wanted to take a rock after they walk, they could. But um, now they sit loftily in a bucket in my backyard, oh, which yeah. I, I made a labyrinth once, but uh, I had to pull it up because the ground started to eat up the rock, and I'm like, no, no. So. <laughs> right, <laughs> our wet ground here in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, right. But I would imagine, like with your incredible artwork and your 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 skill, you can make a labyrinth. My goodness, you know? yes. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know, like, I w that's why I wanted to ask you because it's so I'm such a um a novice at this. If, if there's any sort of like ritual that you have to, or or not have to, because that sounds so ruly, but is as as part of honoring the practice and ritual, is there a certain um, method in doing it, or is it sort of open, where it's it's a thought of as more like a pattern? And and I noticed that all of them are pretty much the same. Now I went on the Labyrinth Society, I think it was, and there was the one that was a little bit different. But generally speaking, and when I had been researching for our talk, I saw, um, I guess maybe one of your posts where you were showing how to draw it. So is there a process in it? And and I know you had mentioned that you want to have some prior knowledge before becoming, um, I forget the word that you were using for that, but can anybody kind of participate in it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's that's my opinion. You may not have Same. to be, have experience, <laughs> right. but maybe have um, a curiosity, I guess, about, yes. yeah, come with a curiosity and um, because from that curiosity, you know, it develops into, you know, creation. So yes. with the labyrinth, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a seed pattern that you can, for all the labyrinths that you, you know, create. And that helps you, um, you know, the seed pattern helps you create the whole pattern um, and it depends on like some labyrinths have uh, circuits like uh, small circuits like three circuits or you know there's um, I think uh, 12 or 22 circuits I mean 12 circuits like there's different type of labyrinths like there's a famous one in Chartres Cathedral that um that a lot of people walk and i actually like walking that before i didn't like walking that because i thought it was uh strictly um i don't know uh related to one religion but the labyrinth right. isn't at all that's what's amazing about it yes. you know, so it's a matter of preference you know but yeah, that's I love a, that. yeah because you know if you look at that Chartres labyrinth it has four quadrants but it's and it has 12 circuits which you're going to be walking these paths like 11 um, paths so 
with the one that I like, which is the uh, seven circuit, it looks like the, um, it's a classical seven circuit labyrinth. It's not like the one that they say the uh, bull was trapped in because he was trapped in history uh, notes it now that he was actually trapped in a maze. So it wasn't really a labyrinth, but you know, of course, labyrinth and maze was used pretty much, um, you know, they uh, pretty much used, you know, in the same content. So yeah, um, basically when you're creating a labyrinth, um, what I what I do, and which I think it de depends on each uh, creator's experience or creator's um, idea of what they want to do when they create their labyrinth. I, I do like prepare the land because in a way the labyrinth sort of knows where it wants to be. And yes. it it knows how to open up that land. Like when I create the the labyrinth for Pagan Pride, um, it's interesting in both locations. Um, it's like the the earth speaks to me. Like um, at one point we were in uh, I don't know side A of Clark Park, and then they moved us to uh, Park B of Clark Park. And in this area the labyrinth it just sat perfectly between three trees it was near the bowl but interestingly enough it was it's across from the loud basketball uh place uh basketball field but whenever i built the labyrinth it has never been noisy over there even when they had the protesters oh, wow. come out for pagan pride it's the, it the quietest place and it has a southern entrance but the the thing I wanted to say about that is when I was creating this labyrinth, it's like the earth speaks to you. You sort of get a feel for the energy where it wants to be and even the type of labyrinth it wants to be. Um, and I I allow those things to, to work with me um, or I allow to work with that energy that comes to me. And um, I just had a, an experience. I was helping a friend. Um, I, Oh, you probably know her. Yeah, Jess Moreno from Space 2033. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she was our neighbor when we lived in Philly. We lived right in that area. That's so oh, cool. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, we yes. just built a labyrinth for her community. When was it? I think it was in November or early December. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she got a um, she got a temporary, I think it was a temporary, okay, from the community to... Uh, a community board to build a labyrinth and it was interesting because um the energy i felt from there the the space that it had sort of some chaos energy going on and mm. i honestly slapped my hand because i i usually like to stage the place beforehand oh yeah and i didn't I do it till afterwards and i really should have saged it before so what you want to do is just make sure you clear the space because you have all these previous energies you oh, know yeah. that are, that are calling for that attention you just want to make sure you get the right energy and even in building a labyrinth um uh even size wise, like in this space, like even with uh, that where Jess and I built the labyrinth, the labyrinth, we thought we were going to make this huge labyrinth and it still is huge, um, but it wanted to be cut back in size. So I found myself having to go back in and collect some of the rocks to bring them in. 
So it was uh, it was interesting. I haven't uh, checked up on the progress of it, but after after we built the labyrinth, we did like a little dedication to the area and to the oh, so you know cool. quarters and yeah, it's really nice and it's um it was a really good, great experience. You know, I I love creating labyrinths and building them because of the the uh, communication and the contact that you have with the earth. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, where is that one located? Is that is that in a public space? Can people go and visit it that are in the area in Philadelphia? Uh, it's it's. Ooh, oh my goodness! You know, I'm not exactly sure if it's still there, but um, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's in um. What do you call it? Not Frankfurt section. So we were in East Kensington. I know that's sort of where she is too. Like yeah, a shop exactly. is in that area. Okay, yes. cool. Because I'm just thinking about like there was this really cool, like oh, it was so cool. It was like um behind one of the old buildings, build factories that were turned into like apartments. And they had like sort of this like really cool like rock garden area. So I'm just wondering because that was so much like our stomping grounds, like where you guys did it. That sounds really cool. I'll, I'll look into that somewhere and maybe there's some kind I'm of so picture there. Oh, no problem. Don't worry about it. No, not at all. Trust me. I am, my head's pretty much in like 2018 right now. So don't worry about it. I just, I find all of this very interesting and like um, very um, resonating with me because I, you know, with reading Sharon Blackie's work, it feels so familiar to me, sort of like what we were talking about with Orglava. It just feels like, oh, so this is like a book that was written about like my entire experience of life. (laughs) And it's like, she talks about collecting things um, from places that you can't stay in, but then they have like there's a life in 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 the object that would normally be called an inanimate object, or or maybe you know thinking of it that way would be considered personification, which is like thought of as sort of like a a ridiculous idea. Um, and I always think of Beatrix Potter too when I think of this <laughs> idea, but just how you were talking because I was really interested in in how you actually go about collecting the stones or rocks. Um, and I love that because I always pick up something from sacred places for me in, in just in my experience, not necessarily like to everyone, but like, for instance, my mom's building a new house and her moving to our area um, is really, is really valuable to us. And I, and I keep picking up little stones from where she is. I'm like, you know, of course at the beach and things like that. And this is like what I mean, just intuitively, it's just something that I've always been like a collector. And it's really funny because my son who's six also has his winter coat or any coat is full of like stones and rocks. And I found that part of your, your talking about how to build one or, or prepare for one is very fascinating and interesting, especially in the connection to what Sharon Blackie's talking about with place and um, having sacred sacred spaces that you can't necessarily stay in um but having a piece of that come with you and I think that's really cool because you know of course they sell like stones and things like that everywhere like Michaels and stuff like that like (laughs) you can get them anywhere but certainly there's not as much soul or power in them as if you were collecting it yourself with the intention in mind and I just love that idea um and I love the flexibility I'm sure you have within within this um culture people who are very regimented and think that it can only be done one way, but I love the way that you're talking about it where it's very open. And I could just see us having like a lot of fun, just starting one and um, 
I know my children really enjoy that because anything physical or in nature, they just love. And I'm like a maze where you get like very anxious, like everyone, <laughs> like I don't know anybody who doesn't, um, you know, it feels like very purposeful and intentional and also not, you're not worrying as much about where you're going to go or end up. You're, you're just enjoying the present moment and being in that space. And like you said, um, un inhibited play I guess is a good way to say it. it's not the word I want uninhibited but it's good enough for us I can't think of the yeah, right I word get, I know what you mean but the yeah. labyrinth offers you that and it's like it's the yeah. best thing to walk when you're having those emotions of mm. anxiety and stuff you yeah. know I haven't always had great experiences on my labyrinth walks but they were experiences that opened me up to you know why I was feeling that way yes they're they're perfect, even if you just want to walk them, just to walk them. I mean, you always get yes. something out of the uh, energy of the labyrinth, you know. Plus, um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Athena. Um, also, just thinking about like, you know, because you mentioned about anxiety, and I'm I'm a long time sufferer as well. Well, I don't know if I call it suffering. I mean, part of it I feel is why I'm so in tune with my intuition is because of anxiety. Um, part of it is like it's a superpower. <laughs> But um, just speaking to that, as far as like the grounding technique and techniques that are not um, medical or Western, um, the grounding technique is so palpable for me, like just physically bringing yourself back into the, the present and the ground and physically into the ground. And just the idea of, uh, what do they call it? Earthing, I think, where you're just barefoot, like, yeah. Um, and, and this feels very in tune with that and, and aligned with that practice. And I really like that because a lot of times people that have anxiety, which, you know, even if you're not like a long time sufferer or anything, or just in this experience that we're going through right now, or experiences, the multitude of experiences that we're all um, living through right now. Um, it's just very helpful to make it a physical practice, I think. Um, and, you know, I've tried taking up yoga and I really like it, but I have a very hard time quieting my brain the meditation aspect of it is very 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 challenging for me because the whole time I'm kind of obsessed with um the physical part of it so I think this feels like um a more productive way for a person like myself to sort of ground myself or like re realign my uh my uh my state in the world <laughs> yeah I'm just I'm just really excited I have never heard of this and and of course I've heard a lot about spirals and Hunter's done some work with spirals and his art and um I'm very familiar with the spiral and like the Celtic spiral and then of course um Rob and Ralph talk about the helix which they describe as like a 3D spiral well there's a there's the um the triple spiral yes that that's like a a, a labyrinth there's actually yeah there is a oh. triple spiral labyrinth. Okay. Yeah, it's it's very uh, it's incredible to walk. I mean, I I haven't physically walked one, but I walk one with my finger um, finger labyrinth walk, and that's that's intense because it you it's almost like you can actually feel the motion of going in and going out and then going around and going out yes and yeah um i do everything in threes too so that's like really hitting me i like yeah. that a lot and i i've used that 
that um iconography like an artwork before and uh, I well, it's always the three is for me yeah I love doing things in threes I mean it just it just makes for some reason it makes sense but then I'm like Three's oh no charm, it's not baby, balance. Right? yeah exactly Three's the charm. yes a lot of the folks in the kindred are are very much kindred spirit by all <laughs> by all means um but yeah I'm just so my life has definitely been rich since meeting him and knowing you all and um I mean, I've never in my whole life uh, felt more accepted than I do standing here right now, um, which is a really nice feeling because, you know, I'm sure that you have sort of a similar experience if you ended up being a punk rocker as I do of just that uh, that longing for um, an alternative to the status quo. So been a nice experience sort of finding myself and finding my people but um this has been a really really great talk and I really appreciate you um taking us into this world and introducing us to this because I I've certainly never experienced it and I haven't really come or come across anybody who's talked about it so it's really exciting to hear about something new that's like I said so sensory and so um uh, such a physical practice uh, and ritual. I really, really can't wait to make one. <laughs> I'm going to certainly share with you when I do. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm so. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad that you want to make one. <laughs> is there is there like a uniform uniformity? That's not even a word. I don't know. Is there a uniform to size and shape of the material that you make it with? For instance, like in our collection, Athena, of many many rocks and um keepsakes throughout all of our time uh, there's certainly variance in size is that something that's sort of supposed to be more uniform or is it pretty pretty open or are there different schools of thought like are there people that are more sort of open and, and then other people that are very regimented yeah there's 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 the traditional way to make one and then there's I usually make I call my labyrinth making organic because yes. um, I, I went to uh, to learn uh, to labyrinth facilitation school and I went to how to make labyrinths just so I can learn how to make them properly. So, yes, there is a pattern. There's a seed pattern and there's, um, you know, certain lengths that you would get, you know, um, say if you wanted to make a. Uh, you know, a uh, classical labyrinth. So we know that, you know, it's it's 14 measures long or or 14, what do you call it? 14 circuits that you would need in order to get like, uh, say if you want a 20 foot labyrinth, um, you might want to go like uh, an inch and a half wide Oh my gosh. Okay. Never mind. I'm gonna start going into all this other stuff and I'm gonna confuse oh, myself. Okay. But yeah, there's um but yeah, there's there's uh there are patterns, but basically you go from a seed pattern and then there's certain uh dimensions that you would need or or in order to get the uh proper shape and fit. So but right, they're fairly second. easy to make. Okay, do you need me? You can't use my phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Close the door. I have a 12 year old who's going on like, I don't know, 85. She's just way too grown. Oh Lord, I'm sorry. Um, my phone broke and it's like 
just she wants to dance and listen to music and it's cool cool. but uh you know she's treated her phones very poorly so (laughs) i'm like no you can't use my phone i can't afford a new one i'm sorry about that i I don't think it actually interfered with uh, what you were saying um what was i going to ask you Spiral is a great is a great uh, is a great um, shape to start with um, to start yeah. if you wanted to create a triple spiral. Um, yes. It does have a double uh, about the triple spiral though. It's is you're actually like a, a it has a it does have a pathway when you're walking in and you're walking around you know in and out and around it. Um, and that's uh, that's really um, what was I about to say? That's a really interesting uh, one to walk. So it's like like what Robin and we we're uh, talking about the helix. I mean, it's like you're walking oh. in that spiral. You know? Wow! It's it's um, you know, the triple spiral is Celtic in nature. Yeah. Just the fact of a spiral is is just has no denominations, but it is spiritual and and you're thinking it's this winding path of, you know, up and down or back and forth. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, Yeah. You want to work with the land. I mean, um, yeah, every labyrinth maker I I know or people who, who make them, they, yeah, they, you know, it's, you want to have the right space because, like you said, yeah. is you know, you know, the land is sacred, and you don't want to disrupt the energies of the land. But you know, even though a labyrinth is is uh, second nature to land, I mean, by all means, you know, um, you're. I think you'll find the right space in your tree. Uh, maybe it'll give you some like leaves or some branches, you know, to to incorporate into your labyrinth. You mean my but, uh, elder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, my elder I, and I. <laughs> <laughs> Labyrinths like being near trees or in open spaces. Oh, so I, I need to like find a way to practice spending time with the tree. And I think this is a really nice way to incorporate the tree into this practice. So that's really good information to hear um, that they like being near trees. Cause you had mentioned the green men, and that's what I sort of was thinking about. And then, um, also thinking about the sacred oak in Oli. I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever visited there? Oh, you're going to have to go sometime um, when things come back around. It's a really cool place. Um, a very sacred, very sacred t- tree and land. It was um, Lenape land. And um, there's a rock formation there. And, and I've never really heard the origin of the rock formation, but it sort of reminded me of that when you were speaking about it, especially the green man part. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, you know, that land is very, very probably magical and <laughs> spirited. Um, yeah. I'm with you. I like that. The organic approach. Um, before we go though, I, Athena, I've really enjoyed talking with you about this. Um, it's fascinating to me. I'm really excited that you introduced me to it. And I think it sort of plays nicely into um, or complements nicely the path that I'm on learning more about place and, and all, all things that I'm learning through Sharon Blackie's work, which has been kind of like just putting a name to the things that I've felt my whole life, which is a nice feeling to find a, find a way to explain um, practices or ways of being that maybe didn't really make sense to me before I had names for them, you know? 
But I wanted to ask you before we go, um, Michelle shared with me the the book you all are working on and some of your illustrations and just she showed me on screen. Oh my gosh, they're they're so beautiful. I wanted to just mention that to you. Um she showed me one with I think there were two rabbits in it on oh, some of the illustrations for the Urglava book. And I just wanted to ask you about that a little bit because I just love them and really looking forward to seeing more of that work. Um, actually, that was a technique I was trying out. I, I did go to art school, but I haven't really had the chance to express it only through uh, my jewelry and my wood burning and, and with Urglava. So actually, I guess I have. <laughs> yeah, <that sounds> pretty <laughs> <Okay>. good. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. You get conditioned to thinking it has to look a certain way to be actually practicing. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, I wanted to try something different. I said I, I wanted to, to look kind of, I don't know, it doesn't look uh, traditional. Right. As, as where I, I, I could have done it that way. But I said, but that's not, that's, I can't do what you can do. And what you do, your work is, is amazing. I mean, I'm like, every time I try to do like, uh, tractor type art or Deutsch, it just doesn't, my hand just doesn't go there and it starts doing something different. So I go with the flow. And that you. was, that's, that's what happened. You know, sometimes I call myself muse crafting because I'm like, okay, my hand wants to muse something else. So yes. Yeah. That's yeah. how it came about that. That's really fascinating because I, I have sort of the same kind of experience where I will try and force myself, especially with illustration projects. I'll try and force myself into a style that I'm like, this is just not going to happen. <laughs> it's especially <laughs> problematic when I'm teaching because my students think, oh, you know, because I teach like four year olds to like 12 year olds. They think, of course, I'm an art teacher. So I know how to completely like uh, re uh, re remaster the masters and like the Renaissance realism. And I am not. I loved calling myself an illustrator because I am not like proportionally, like it's not my thing. <laughs> I loved, uh, oh. I loved, I loved drawing, um, figure drawing. I loved it, but it was never, it was always stylized. So I hear you. It's really hard. And with art, you know, that's the thing. You just have to let, let it go and let your hand take you where it needs to go. Because then what you made was so incredible and it was, it was your voice, you know, and your, your hand and your uh, aesthetic. I love it so much. I didn't realize you had gone to art school. Where did you go? I went to the Art Institute of Philadelphia and oh, nice. I got a fashion illustration, but I don't, I don't know. I was the worst student. Me um, too, Athena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a good student. I mean, I try to be, but I don't know. Well, but, there's doers and then there's learners. I don't know. That's just, just my opinion it's like some people can sit and absorb and some people have to like do to absorb do you know what I mean like I think you and I are probably similar in that way where it needs to be like an experiential education you know I'm like I have to I have to see and do or sometimes I just have to do and then see yes but yes. I don't know. really appreciate your time and 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 coming on the podcast and talking to us more about this and um 
Yeah, it's been really great talking to you. It's been so long and I can't wait to gather again and be able to see you. Thanks again, Athena, for joining us. And I will make sure to link all, all of the amazing projects that you're working on in the show notes. And I will sh- also share um, your podcast too for tomorrow. I don't think the episode will be out by then, but I will make sure to share that on the Facebook too because it's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, because they can always catch it through that link. Yeah, yeah and then it's, it's, it's posted afterwards as well, correct? Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Athena. Thanks, Rachel. You take care. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye.